0: Hi, everyone. Raphael Harry here, and you're listening to White Label American, a podcast where we hear stories from an immigrant or two, sometimes more. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. So this episode that you shall be revisiting today you get to meet my missus verina tuna She's the mother of my child and she's the love of my life and you get to find out how her journey took her from germany through the east coast of the united states to the netherlands and a whole bunch of uh, in-betweens you get to find out how terrible i I was on our first date uh yeah i do deny being terrible but uh, (laughs) uh, i should have released this episode on valentine's day (laughs) but um yeah it's uh it's a beautiful story that uh, she'll never she'll never forget and she'll never stop rubbing it um, in my face (laughs) But I, I hope you all enjoy it. And, surely uh, for those of you who are new to this episode, you see why many people love this episode and keep uh, referring to it every time they see me, those, those who live in the neighborhood or those who've come across me in person. So check it out. And, yes, I'll see you all next week. And there's a lot more, um, well, plenty of new guests coming on the podcast and there will be some um, returning guests too that we shall have on the show once again thank you for listening and i appreciate you all so don't forget to share 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 and invite your friends don't keep it all to yourself what are you doing people share so check out verena Welcome to another episode of White Label American. Thank you all for joining us today. Everyone is doing great. Uh, shout out to our people on the front lines. Love each and every one of you. Thank you for, uh, Thank you to those of you who are protesting for our rights and our delivery guys and uh, everyone doing the right thing. Black Lives Matter. Love each and every one of you and support each and every one of you. Um, today's guest is... One of the most important and the most special guests that we've ever had, um, well, actually we have two guests, but one only one guest you hear from and you figure out who the other one is, if she decides to make herself known, But she'll be she's in the studio. trust me, you, you know you, you'll figure out who she is in a little bit. she you know, has a way of intervening. But she's been she's been on the show before without really making herself known. Um so the official guest of this episode is one of the biggest supporters that this show has. And is someone without whom this podcast wouldn't exist, and it's one of the silent backers of this podcast. And it's A great pleasure to bring and introduce the person known as Mama Abby and at the same time, a HR professional um, has been in New York for a while, but technically upstate. So you know, we we, we count. We we still count as New York. You know, we, we count, but technically she's upstate. But. She wasn't uh, born in New York. She wasn't born in the United States. But at the same time, she's a New Yorker. And by the rule book, she's a New Yorker. And she is a super awesome person who's just, you know, she she brings that efficiency to everything that she does. And today it's about her story, and she's just going to deliver and tell us a lot more. So without much further ado, I introduce Verena. (laughs) Tuna. <laughs> that my, I had to the but anyway, that's the lady known as my wife, my spouse, uh, and she's going to th- talk about jollof rice and a whole lot of stuff today, so we'll settle the dispute on jollof rice and other matters. So welcome on the show, Verena. good, thank danke. <laughs> yeah, genau, genau.
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me
0: uh yes that, that we don't we need to speak english now We're in america speak american all right all right <laughs> so how are you doing today
1: i'm good how
0: yeah. are you uh, I'm, I'm all right i'm all right well um, it's good to see you and um, i'm pretty sure people like well uh, don't they live together or what <laughs> but anyway yeah and they're wondering who the other guest is so um you might hear someone ramble a little bit but she's our daughter And she's two years old now and has a lot of opinions. So she has been bribed and so she's quiet right now, but she might want to jump in on the interview, but she's hiding and just chilling in the corner. So let's dive in. So let's begin at the very beginning. Where was Verena born? And can Verena introduce us to her childhood?
1: So I was born in Münster, Germany. Um, North and Westphalia, close to the Dutch border. Um, so that's still considered, I guess, like the Northwest of Germany. So we do consider ourselves northerners versus southerners. That's very important.
0: Oh, we'll come to that.
1: <laughs> um, and I grew up the first like eight or nine years in uh, a suburb of Munster. And when I say suburb, it's almost like a suburb of a suburb. Um, it was a really little place. Um, that didn't even have a school, so we had to like ride our bikes for like th- two miles to get to to school, um, and it doesn't look like this anymore. But it was literally like two miles of like fields and cows, right and left of the street. Oh. So very different to where I live now in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> And then we moved when I was like nine-ish, we moved um, to Münster proper and actually lived like really close to downtown. Um, still, you know, Münster's not that big, so you're still very close to kind of the big parks and um, forest and, you know, fields and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it was like a 10-minute bike ride from downtown, shopping mile and whatever.
0: Mm.
1: So that was a very different, very different environment.
0: So why, why is it so important to, you know, the differentiate between Northerners and Southerners?
1: Well, so one thing is soccer, right? Like you usually foosball, either- foosball, Football. Football. Football, yeah. Foosball. Because if you it's are football. supporting a Northerner team, then you usually don't also support a Southern team. Right? like you, you will find very few people who support like BVB and Bayern at the same time. And if you do know someone, then you have to seriously question them. I think how that happened. Um.
0: That's true. I don't think I've ever met any anyone who supports B4B, which is Borussia Dortmund, for um, every um, for regular Americans. And um, yeah, I've never seen anyone supporting Borussia and Bayern except on the continental scene, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think also, I think the northerners um, tend to pride themselves um, on not having a, as as much of an accent, I guess. Like, the further south you go, the more people you're hear, hear speaking with more of an accent, mm. like a local or regional accent. We do have that in the north, but I guess, like, people um, want to think that we don't. <laughs> when you come from the north, you want to think that you don't have that. <laughs> so, <laughs> at least that's that's yeah. Oh, interesting. Where I grew up.
0: Interesting. <laughs> so, with that being said, what do you consider your favorite childhood memory?
1: So, uh, that's kind of hard. I I have a lot of good childhood memories.
0: Oh, you can throw two in there.
1: Um, like even that would still be hard, right? So I'm just gonna make a more of a broader statement. So okay. even though I m- maybe was complaining when I was a child and always going on holiday, um, somewhere where we would drive to, like the Netherlands or like Denmark, um, we would like go camping a lot when I was little, um, and I'm I'm sure I was complaining at the time, right? But mm-hmm. now I look at back at that really favorably. Um, and another thing is when, uh, I was growing up, uh, sometimes we didn't go on vacation during the summer. And so instead my parents bought me like a season ticket for the local pool and I would just go off and be at the pool every day. Um, now that I don't have the possibility or the ability to do that, like that's another really, um, like great childhood memory that I have.
0: So one thing our daughter seems to like is water and just jumping in water or back being in the bathtub and whatever. So are you saying you may have contributed to that because I thought it was all about me?
1: Well, so interestingly enough, about the first five years of my life, I hated water.
0: Mm. So,
1: so I I don't know about like bath time But I would hate getting water in my face When washing hair um, I Was afraid of the waves on the beach So my dad had to go and dig up a hole So that only the waves that crashed The furthest mm-hmm. Would deposit a little bit of water in the hole And that's where I would sit and play
0: Okay that sounds really not enough
1: <laughs> <laughs> Like I uh I was supposed to. Or I I was in this in this class to learn how to swim, and I was just not having it. I wasn't putting my face in the water. I refused to put my face in the water for the longest time. So and how do you like
0: swimming pools then?
1: So, at one point we were on vacation in the Netherlands with uh, family friends, and. One of them took me to this really, f- there was like a really fancy pool with like a lot of splash things and twirly waters and like, um, like an adventure pool, or however you want to call that. And there was this area where you had to dive under this partition to go from the inside to the outside. Mm-hmm. It was really just, you know, you really just had to dip your head in the water basically to get under it. And... um for some reason she was able to get through to me on how to do that and not be afraid. Oh. And ever since my parents like through the rest of my childhood, my parents were not able to get me out of the water ever again.
0: And how old were you when that happened?
1: I must have been five or six because I I right around six ish is when I um so in Germany you you get like this little certificate when you know how to swim like one full lane. Yeah. And and you get to like dive in a little bit. So I did I got that like right Around like going into first grade
0: oh. so,
1: so yeah. ever since first grade, like yeah. that that's when I would just spend you know every um, free warm summer day at the pool if i if I was able to, I actually got so far that um we we had this rule that it had to be a certain temperature because I was the kind of kid I would just be like, "Well, the sun's out, like let's go." <laughs> um, whereas, whereas the rule was that it had to be a certain temperature to actually go. Um, so I tried to manipulate the thermometer that was hanging outside the kitchen window. No. <laughs> so that it would show warmer than it actually was.
0: So that, in a way, speaks to the person you are today. Because you, that was like one of the first times you conquered uh, an obstacle in your part and yes. never look back and nowadays you know you're that type of person who once there's a hurdle in front of you you don't you, you has it's like you, you, once you set your mind to conquering it you, you don't you don't think twice you're just like pow i'm gonna take it down and it, i bring that up because like well, you know during the pregnancy you know i still remember when you were like i'm gonna build this furniture set and i was like uh i you be doing
1: this <laughs> You You mean at eight and a half months pregnant or nine months pregnant,
0: yeah. You were like, yeah, I want to do this, and pow, 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 and I was like, okay, maybe I want, I I think, I don't know where I was going, but I was like, yeah, when I get back, I'll come help you, and by the time I got back, um, the whole whole set or whatever had been built, and I was like, wow, (laughs) that German efficiency is right there, but yeah, so it started pretty early, I see it, but yeah, it it comes with the territory, You, you 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 got it in you, like, pretty early. So, yeah, that, that's
1: awesome. I never looked at it that way, actually.
0: Yeah, that's why I always ask about the favorite childhood memory, you know? it's, it's, it's It shows a lot of stuff people have in them from um, pretty early. So, um, another thing about you is that uh, that makes you stand out is um, one of your parents happens to be a police officer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And... Over here, when people hear that, you know, there, there's a certain expectation. Again, not just over in the United States, around the world, people have that interpretation, like, you know, the, 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 there's a certain expectation of how you were raised. And when you tell people of how you grew up, how, how, what's the reaction, or how do people react when, when they hear that? Like Thinking about looking to your dad, being a police officer, like, oh, you know, the expectation, like, or see this type of person, uh, like the picture that has been created of someone in uniform?
1: Yeah, I think that does not apply to how I grew up, in general terms at least. Especially the way um, police officers are often seen in the U.S. Like, I'm not familiar with that type of policing to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it is probably because Münster is just like, not that exciting and not that dangerous it's a little like you know it's it's a it's a city right it's like i don't know 250,000 people or something like that but it's not um it's not the type of policing that you see in the us it's not the type of policing that you see in the media um when i think about growing up as a po- as a daughter of a police officer w- what stays in my mind is like my dad would drop by with his colleagues to like half coffee for their break, right, instead of going to buy somewhere, because we lived so close to downtown to where his precinct was. Um, and when we had just moved there, the whole neighborhood was um, talking about it, gossiping about it, because, you know, every other week, the police has to come by.
0: oh, <laughs> Because they didn't know that it was actually my dad.
1: Um, Another thing that I do remember, uh, which was kind of funny, um, later on when I was in high school, there was something going on where you needed to, you needed to get something signed. You you were allowed to participate in something, and you had to pay mm-hmm. a certain amount. Like, and I'd forgotten the money. I'd taken the slip, the signed slip, and I'd forgotten the money on the table. So my mom had called my dad already and told him that I'd forgotten it. So he was waiting with a police car in front of the school, was waiting for me and kind of like waved me over in front of all the teachers that were out and doing like the 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 traffic monitoring right yeah. uh for the bicycle stuff like that and for the buses uh in front of all the other students like he waved me over and then it was really just to give me the money to pay for my like school f- whatever fee that was but of course like that kept the rumor mill going
0: Cause, oh, the robot
1: cause, meal. That you, oh no, that that I you, must you know like something <laughs> you, must be right. going on because you know the police like picked me, the only person out of all the, you know hundreds of kids going to school that morning, they yeah. picked me out. Huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so when I say policing, the way I, I saw policing in Germany or generally in Munster, right? Like it was different as things like, I got tickets. And nobody was taking care of them. I had to pay them, right? Like, my Mm -hmm. dad didn't bail me out of a ticket. Like, if I got the ticket for a reason, like, let's say my bicycle didn't have a lamp that worked, right? You actually get a ticket for that. If you um, run a red light on a bicycle, you get a ticket for that. Even if you're not of the age that you're allowed to drive, it doesn't matter. Once you're actually allowed to drive... Mm -hmm. Even if you're not driving a car, even if you're riding a bicycle yeah. and you pa- you run a red light, you can still get points wow. against your license.
0: Oh, so <laughs> by the time like you that. get your license, you already like you've already been building points.
1: No, no, you no, 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 you haven't. But like you, you like you can you can get in real trouble. Like if you if you're if you actually have a driver's license, yeah. and then like break the traffic laws on other vehicles, apparently. Oh. Um, luckily like shortly after I got my license I moved so that was so much of a problem (laughs) Um, but yeah I had to pay my own tickets and um, if my dad got a ticket he had to go and pay it too right like so it's not the same as you have it here oftentimes where people are have the expectation that if you are related to a police officer you get breaks you don't get the parking ticket or you don't get don't have to pay it Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff I did not See that.
0: Yeah, hmm. uh, well, one thing I found interesting when I started knowing, uh, started to um, started getting to know your story, was um, especially when I got to meet your family. Was how uh, they allowed you to be you. Yes. And I just found it fascinating that you know most. Officers, uh, police officers that are new, um, children of those people—they they seem to be like by the book, strict. Like this, how they would expect their kids to grow up, and it doesn't in- include allowing them be themselves. Mm-hmm. But you got allowed to express yourself, and just found that fascinating, and. So, by the time I started knowing about how the police, um, the, the police in Munster operated, it wasn't a surprise per se because I already knew, um, I'd heard about, um, excuse me, interactions of o- other people, like um, service members who had been stationed in Germany, the interactions with police officers in other cities in in Germany, and it was a lot different from but they had experienced here yeah, and it's part of the reason why a lot of a few uh, people who i got to know including someone who's been on the show already mm-hmm. um said mm-hmm. they just felt like yeah germany's home they don't they don't they, they, they would rather stay in germany than return back to the united states so that's that, that's part of the thing surprising surprising. but it was the way you you were allowed to grow up and be you that was the thing that shocked me i was like wow uh, it was no. This I'm. You, you don't talk back to me. You don't this. You play. Like you play by the rules, young lady. And that, I was like, wow. That, that, you
1: was. Yeah, no, that's not at all how I grew up. That's very true. <laughs> yes, I. Um, I was encouraged to discuss things and question things. Um, I don't know if that was a conscious decision that my parents made, mm-hmm. but it was always okay to like discuss politics, for example um and it was always part of the conversation especially the conversations i had with my with my mother um from a very early age on and uh, and then they once i got a little bit older like let's say 12 13 um then if they had friends over and you know there was a conversation amongst the adults and i just happened to sit at the same table um I wasn't shut out of the conversation just because I wasn't as old as them, right? Yeah. I wasn't an adult. I, if I wanted to be included, I was included, wow. and I do think that shaped me, and I do think that shaped how I, um, how I've learned and how I've um, argued or discussed mm. things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do, I do think that was that was very helpful, and the other thing I think where my parents really um let me be myself is when it came to like expression through clothes i know that doesn't that might not sound like a big deal um but to me it was a huge deal because you know your parents buy your clothes like they tell you what to wear when you when you're little right Like you have you have some choice but you know they're still the ones paying for it so at some point when i was like 12 13 or something my parents actually gave me a budget so we figured out how much they spend on an average in an average year on like my clothes and like other incidentals. Broke that down by 12. And that was the amount I would get every month into my own personal bank account. And then I could decide if I wanted to buy like the expensive jeans ah. because I thought I needed to have them. But then I maybe was only, a, a, you know, able to buy one pair instead of three. Right. Yeah. But that was a choice that I that they empowered me to make. Um. And so that gave me a lot more ability to express myself just like in the sense that, you know, I could make my own decisions.
0: That's powerful.
1: And and it also teaches you how to, you know, value money and how to budget.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's why I said it's powerful because um, it's something that I, I see and I understand the people who are making the case right now that. We need to teach our kids um, financial management and all that. I'm not too, I'm not against it, but I'm also kind of like, you know, there's something that feels when it's forced, you know, it, it feels forced in a way, but something organic, like the way you went through it, when it's coming from the family, it stays with you longer. Mm-hmm. than when it's in a the, the a classroom setting and if you don't have it, it becomes do you have somebody who's um what's what's the relationship with the, the chemistry with the teacher and the students do you, is the teacher equipped to be in that room is it the, 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 you know is, is the school well funded you know mm-hmm. the, the district and all the, those other um dynamics start to play in the And then, is it okay if it's this district, if the school is in the wealthy district, then you know that's going to be well taken care of. If it's in the wrong district, then Mm -hmm. you know, then all those questions are going to be asked. But when you see a family where they gave that power of independence to the the, the child, like, you know, you just brought a memory uh, of what happened. uh, How old was I then? I was probably. between I think ten, ten or between ten and uh, eleven, ten ten and twelve, and we went to I think that was one of we went to Port I was stay, we were staying in Benin then, so probably uh, no before ten. I was uh, probably eight, yeah, between eight and ten, and we went to Port to visit an uncle, and one of my cousins, who I can't even recall his name now, um, he took some money which he claimed he had been saving the The story was a little bit mushy I can recall but he disappeared and we, this was back when we weren't supposed to be we weren't given freedom to go out per se but just, sometimes we rebelled and did our thing and he was a little bit older than we were I think yeah he was a teenager so it was probably maybe like five six at most seven years older than we were and he went out, but came back late. So they were freaking out. I remember my mom, it, it's coming to me now. My mom was you know, and uh, freaking out with his dad and they were like, well, should we go to the police station and start, you know, declaring like, you know, maybe he was arrested or something, you know, cause police used to, they've been doing raids for a long time. They just round up young people they see mm-hmm. on the streets and take them and then wait for parents to show up and come bail them out, you know, and. He shows up like around 9 p.m., which now it's not late. <laughs> but back then, you know, it was, what if this young kid who has, who's never gone out, you know, it's considered, how dare you come back this late? And he showed up around 9 p.m. and they were, you know, yelling at him and he had a bag, a plastic bag with him. What was what in the bag? And we were all like peeping from the room, you know, like, what happened? What happened? And I know they were yelling at him, yelling at him, and then he finally came into the room. We couldn't get hear everything. And then he came into the room and we're like, well, what's going on? Like, you know, he's like, oh, I went shopping. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, I went shopping. I saved money. He's like, yeah, I took all the money I had and I went shopping. We had to go to this other market that was like in the other part of town or wherever, I can't remember what part of Patakot they lived, but he, he went somewhere. And so he, he was literally going from shop to shop to shop to find what he want, wanted to buy. He probably overpaid for the jeans, but he I think it was just like two pairs of jeans that it took him the whole day to figure it out. And just using this night just brought that to my mind. But he had that experience and he he was happy. He didn't I think he got beat, he got flogged or whatever, but he didn't care. He didn't <laughs> care because I I don't recall him crying when he came into the room. He had that smug look on his face. Yeah. But he was like, I went shop, he... he and then I, later on, I remember my mom saying something to my uncle when his dad was still yelling. And she was like, Well, he knows how to buy good clothes, though. So at least he didn't go buy drugs or something, you know. And it he, he was actually nice jeans that he bought. So, you know, and but just something like that, just I, I just remember that, you know, because we went, we went, we, we nobody gave us trusted us with money, go, go buy your own clothes. No. You you had to be over eighteen or probably uh, your twenties before you started doing that.
1: I'm sure my parents were cringing at some of the choices I made mm-hmm. as well.
0: I seen the photos. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, uh, <laughs> um,
0: I won't post them. Don't worry.
1: So so you know I'm I'm sure they they you know they were they were a night or two when they were like what did she what was she thinking, um. But in general, they did just um. It was kind of a little bit of a give and take. Like they did trust me, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I was always the kid when I said like, oh, this is where I'm going. I'm going to be back by 9. I was back by, you know, 9.15, the latest, right? But so that allowed over time that just built the trust that my parents were like, oh, okay. So, you now you come back by midnight, right? And as long as I kept being back on on time, Mm -hmm like the the rules became less strict i guess oh yeah. and uh, you know of course i was getting older too um and so interestingly though this goes back to the policing part the first time i was carded for alcohol um so in germany you're allowed to drink beer and wine when you're 16 and um i had these older friends and they just happened on that night the ones that i was out with were all of the boys because the girls were already at the party that we were going to. And in Germany, you can have an open container in the street too, that's that's generally okay. allowed. Um, so we were walking down this street to get to the party and it was like an industrial kind of part, more industrial part of town. And that was the first night I got caught, it, it was my 16th birthday. It was the day <laughs> of my birthday. Um, so yeah, that, that worked out well. <laughs> because it definitely was not the first time I had beer.
0: <laughs> but hey, it, it, it's good that, um, you know, the, the decision was made to start trusting you. And, you know, they put you in, in a position to start learning how to take decisions. Because over time, you get used to it. You know, you're yep. allowed to fail to make mistakes and learn from it and grow from it. Because no matter what we do or how we 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 think we have the best interests of our younger ones, of our our children, they still have to make their own decisions themselves. Yeah. And we cannot claim to be protecting them always by making their decisions for them twenty four seven. They will have to get into that phase where they get to decide. And That's why when I've been in in a room over there talking about log, how do we change the leaders? How do we do? And I'm like, why why don't you start teaching, young putting young kids, you know, allowing young kids make decisions about leaders, leadership. Who do you want to lead you? Allow them decide. And if you don't allow them to start making that decision, then is it when when they become 25, when they become 30, then you're like, okay, now go decide. And like, um, we've never made that decision in our life, so. Uh, now that they're going to start staring at you, okay, you make the decision, and then they're not. Like, oh, these youths, we can't trust them because that's what is happening uh, back where I was born. You having that conversation now that we can't trust the youths, but I'm like, you never trusted them, <laughs> but they don't realize that it kind of gross because in the farm at home you never trusted them, and out in the society how it plays out too because you don't trust them at home to to make decisions and then. In schools, you don't trust them.
1: And how are they supposed to learn to trust themselves if they don't get to make choices?
0: Yeah, because, and and at the same time, you're always selling a perfect picture you have to be perfect. Yeah. Because you're not allowed to make mistakes, you're not allowed to fail and learn from that failure and move forward.
1: So I do think, I do really think my parents raised me. Again, like, I don't know how, if they did this intentionally, I never actually asked them, but they did definitely raise me to be independent. Um, to be, to think for myself and also be able to defend my position, like in, you know, in a conversation and mm-hmm. discussion, whether that's just, you know, which food I like better or, or political or, you know, uh, but they did, they did teach me that to a certain extent. And, um, the same with, um, you know, money, for example, um, And I think the other thing where when it comes to that, like teaching me to be independent, um, I think the fact that my mom was working um, helped kind of set that expectation for me as well. Right. So I never I never at any point um, during growing up and, and my mom didn't work all the time and she didn't always work full time. But. Um, I knew that she worked, right? And so during growing up, I never had this expectation that I was gonna go marry someone and they're gonna take care of me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I always had the expectation was like whatever happens, I know I, I can take care of myself.
0: Hmm. Very important. So um moving forward you came to, you know, you, you will come to the United States at a pretty young age, your first time ever. And that also leans into what we've just been discussing um, about being your, your, it leans to your being independent. And uh, how, so how old were you when you made your first trip to the United States? And what was the, what what what's to that what what shot you you know positive or negative was there any culture shock that you had in that moment
1: so the first time i came to the united states was for vacation um i was 16. i did come without my parents um and i traveled with my boyfriend at the time who was a couple years older so he had a driver's license his brother had just been in the u.s for a high school year he left the car that he had that his his the the brother had purchased um for us at the airport and then we took the car from there and we traveled um up and down the east coast for 6 weeks. Um now this was before everyone had a cell phone so yeah my parents really had to trust that everything <laughs> was going to be okay. Um we did call them from payphones like here and there right like yeah. if we had enough quarters <laughs> and if we remembered. Um but yeah I think culture shock at that point in time was different. And the reason I'm saying that is because at that point, a lot of my expectation about what the U.S. was like was um, based on pop culture. Okay. So a lot of the things we went to see and like the stuff, you know, was also more driven by being the typical tourist. Mm. Right. So I have to admit, we did go to SeaWorld. World. Right. Because I had I, I did not know or maybe not understand and didn't um, have the resources available to really understand that what they're doing there is not good for the animals that well, are
0: there. I, I didn't know until that. Um, when was that? When did that report come out?
1: A few years ago. Yeah, maybe?
0: that was the only time I it began to occur to me not at all.
1: Yeah, Yeah. so this was when I was 16, right? And like SeaWorld was like one of those brands that you've heard of or one of these parks that you've heard of that we didn't have anything similar in Germany. Mm. Like smaller maybe, like, you know, you have like these dolphin shows here and there, uh, the zoo or something, but nothing of that. So that was something I really wanted to see. I went to go see Niagara Falls, um, Washington, D.C. So wait, where did you guys start from? Uh, So (laughs) we landed in D.C. and then we drove to West Virginia um, because... That's
0: that's quite a tourist destination.
1: (laughs) The boy I was traveling with, he had stayed in West Virginia for a year during his high school time. So he had friends there. Um, So the person um, that he had stayed with for the year and then his brother had stayed with a family in the same community for a year. So, yes, this was a really... and This wasn't even like... city in West Virginia. This was like a tiny town in the mountains where your next door neighbor is like a mile down the road. Um, So that actually was a bigger culture shock than I think like a more unexpected one. um, Because first of all, I had a really hard time understanding people, right? So English as a second language, never been to the US before, still learning how to have a regular everyday conversation because that's not what you learn in school when you're in Germany, yes. right? We have English from, fifth, English from fifth grade on, but you don't learn how to actually have a conversation with someone. You learn kind of like what's in the book oh. and how to like read text and then write answers. Um Oh, it's, never, more like never, school, never, it's more like school it's more like
0: school English. Okay. Yeah, it's I, not, I, I never considered it from that point of view. But.
1: And even just simple things like household items. Yes. Like someone was telling me to put the letters in the colander and I just stared at them I was like, I have no idea what you just said. Well I, I, I <laughs> understand
0: I relate to that because coming from um uh, coming from someone who understood just uh, British English. Well I thought I knew American That's... English until I arrived here and then When uh, uh, people started speaking to me in American English, I was like, yeah, that's, uh, it's different from the movies. Yeah. When someone's talking to you directly, you're like, bro, what are you saying again? Yeah. I think it was just bro, bro. I was just saying bro, bro. And then (laughs) now I can't even speak British English anymore.
1: Yeah. It goes away. So I learned British English in school Mm -hmm. because that's, you know, what you learn in where, where I went to school. And, um, that completely went away. Yep. I do think I sound a lot more American now. Than uh, yeah,
0: you do. <laughs> Upstate New York. Again. Oh, please. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, I met these West Virginians um, who are from this really small place. And some of them went away for college and then moved back home to, like, take over the family business. But then there were also a couple of uh, people. So at some point we were asked if we could help um, bring in hay. So wow. we were bringing in like they they were bringing in the hay, hay bales and uh-huh. then we were putting them from the tr- from the truck bed uh the, the thing that behind the tractor onto um the conveyor that would then put it up on the top of the barn. I was the only female that was helping because they were asking us I thought they meant that that included me so I said yeah sure I'll help. Um and so that I think really surprised some of the older people, like, and when I say older, like in their 60s or 70s yeah. um, who the last, like this, this is going to sound horrible, but who the last time they actually left um, that particular part of West Virginia was when they um, went to war during like the Second World War or the Vietnam War. Okay. So they they have like you know they went away they came back and never never left again kind of situation. Yeah. Um. Those were also the the people that I just I tried but I just could not understand them. I literally needed a translator. Um. And to everyone who's been to West Virginia, like if you go, really deep, into <laughs> the countryside. Sorry.
0: What Was the city called?
1: That's it's not a city. It was a town. Okay, I don't remember the name called? anymore. No. But I remember it it's wasn't it wasn't Germany Valley. What? It was in Germany Valley. There's
0: a Germany Valley in there? Yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, I never um, planned to... Yeah, but yeah, yeah I, so... I fully, I fully driven past West Virginia.
1: I, I literally needed a translator first time to the U.S. Like, that was where we spent the first week. And I was just... I just couldn't decipher the, the local... like, I, I just... Yeah. <laughs> and I, I got... Actually, I got really discouraged. I was like, you know, I studied so hard and I can't even communicate with people. But yeah, that was that. So that was one type of cultural shock, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the other one was the religious side of things. So the other person, or the other we stayed with, was a um, United Methodist past. Uh, Do they call them pastor? Yeah. Reverend, preacher. I don't
0: pastors. know. Pastors, pastors, okay.
1: Yeah, um, so because that was the 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 person that my my boyfriend at the time had lived with during his high school year. Yeah. So we went to visit him, and he was in a somewhat larger place. That place at least had a mall. Um, oh wow! <laughs> I
0: would like to stay there.
1: So I mean, Get some
0: discount shopping.
1: <laughs> no, I I'm just saying that because you know, just to say, like you know, the place like I forgot what the town was called, but it was a little bit bigger. It mm-hmm. was like the next bigger place, and so um, we had to go to church. Like the week that we stayed there, we oh. had to go to church on Sunday.
0: Oh, serious.
1: Um, and on Wednesday or something? Uh yes, because we stayed at the pastor's house. Oh right. Okay. So yeah. like yeah. and the other thing was we weren't allowed to tell anyone that we were actually staying in the same room oh. and using the same bathroom.
0: Oh. Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> yeah, we don't, we
1: don't
0: we don't want no scandal.
1: Yeah, and then uh, one thing I still remember to this day, which again, like maybe not a culture shock, but like significant difference, um, the service that we did go to. The first thing that was happening was the pastor standing up and saying, you know, you know, welcome to the service today, da da da, da, and you know, can we get a round of applause for the janitor who just repaired the AC? And everyone stood up and clapped. I'd never seen that in church before, like people standing up and clapping. Oh.
0: Yeah, must Growing be, up in Germany you know, and ever
1: only ever going to Catholic church, like yeah. I guess.
0: Well, it's different. <laughs> you don't, but yeah, you when, don't when, expect Yeah, that. If, if, yeah <laughs> I can see how that's... Yeah, because I, I've been to Catholic church. I've been to Baptist. I've been to Methodist once, and Evangelical a lot. So yeah, I, I, it's I, just very different. It's different. <laughs> all of them are different. Anglican too. I've been to Ang- Anglican. Yeah, I've been. I've been all. I've been to all. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I can, I can see this, how someone who hasn't been to anything outside of Catholic yeah you're gonna be like what is going on here?
1: Well even like even if you go to um, Protestant Church in Germany like people want to like, stand up and clap mm-hmm. <laughs> that just doesn't happen um, So yeah so I, but I think there was a whole different level of culture shock once I moved here because that's when you start looking under the surface. Right, when you just come and, and go on vacation and you drive around and um you, you know, maybe like stay in a hotel or a yeah. motel here, you stay in a playground, you talk to people, but you don't get to look under the surface as much. Mm. And I think once you actually live here, it's a different story. Also, you know, now I'm going to date myself, but like this was like 96 that I came for the first time. So, yes, we had the Internet, but... Obviously not the same way yeah, as we yeah. have it today, right? So did I read? I I was reading news in English, so U.S. news, but not at the same level as you have access today, right? Of course. So that's what I mean with like once you actually move here and you start to see everyday life, and you start to experience how people treat each other on a daily basis, um, and you actually see the news every day, like the local news. You get a very different, um, yeah, how do you say, it? like a very different understanding yeah. of the differences. Yeah, the
0: whole glamour changes. You, you no longer.
1: Well, I mean, the, the glamour parts can still stay, right? But you're adding well, onto you, it.
0: You can add, or you can subtract, or you can choose to ignore depending on, of course, where yes, you, you are what you choose to, to see, but it, yes, and some yeah, people. I yeah, mean, some it, it people. It depends who, on what you, you yeah, where, where you cho- what you choose to see, or where, you, but
1: that's the, actually if, very if, true if, because if,
0: you see, if if you stay and you experience, because you you did a whole tour, which many people don't have still not done. I won't name names, <laughs> and yeah, so you got to experience uh, a lot, and that's something to take home and you know and you're a curious curious person so you obviously started asking questions I'm surprised you didn't ask the the, you didn't get in trouble with the pastor but yeah
1: no because he himself was very liberal and very open-minded okay um it was more that he was worried that he was going to get he was going to get in trouble (laughs) if we tell like like he yeah. also he also was fine with me drinking drinking beer in his house because I was over the age of sixteen I was allowed to do it in Germany so he really didn't care, um so I had a beer with dinner when they had a beer with dinner
0: yeah but that well, but at well, the same time like, was that, that I yeah, was still in West Virginia yeah I was still in mean, West Virginia
1: yeah and then that, um that, that's like not that like drinking age there with the parents I don't know no. but he that, was not my guardian he was not my parent he was just an adult
0: yeah technically he was your guardian but. yeah. By the rules, now.
1: well, so yeah, I guess
0: so. Now, uh, you had that tour, so that already sowed a seed in you, and then you will decide to stay to come back full time, <laughs> yeah, and then go full. Gangster New <laughs> York, East Coast. <laughs> Unlike Namik, who went, who claims, uh, who's who's East Coast, but is t- loyal to to Tupac oh. Shakur. That's uh, our our good friend. But he,
1: yeah, he, he's been wow. ma- he's
0: been marking Tupac Shakur's anniversary. He won't wear anything else for the past few days. I'm like, bro, give it up. You you won't move to LA. Well, you'll be, you be, you be, you be in New York rubbing it in our faces. <laughs> supposed to be loyal to B.I.G. Live in Brooklyn, too. But well, anyway, I had to throw that dig. But yeah, so um, you chose New York. Surprisingly, you didn't choose West Virginia. So you should have been in West Virginia. Why?
1: Oh, well, so first of all, they're way too conservative for me. Okay, why not DC? I would have gotten myself in trouble.
0: You could have gone to D.C. then.
1: Uh, I could have, but I didn't. I think D.C. was awfully interested. I mean, it's great for like a tourist destination, right? So mm-hmm. like in my mind, D.C. was a tourist, like government and tourists, tourism. Uh, like no life, I didn't I didn't experience you, any you, like regular you, life there. You, you, so it's really just you, government you took, and tourism. You took good notes then. <laughs> <laughs> and so New York also happened more. I don't want to say by accident, but um, it wasn't 100 percent planned and so when i finished high school i applied to a bunch of different study programs and one of which was called european business program european business program at the time um i mean it still is a um, network of schools where they have a defined program on how you move between the school that you started and a partner school abroad and so at the time i went with the link with rotterdam because it was in english yeah and um, you had to do an internship in Germany and an internship abroad. And when I was getting ready f- to apply for internships abroad, it was um, just after 9-11. Oh. So it was really, really hard to find anything, to find a company to... Um, welcome you you know like they they were just they just weren't thinking of that at the moment like they had way other things to deal with um and so i relied on my school to help me find a placement and they had worked with this small company that happens to be in york and before they i guess they placed people there before and they were looking for someone um and they said yeah sure just you know send them over it's fine and so that's what I mean like kind of by accident. <laughs> I hadn't really planned it. in a way, it was just so happened that you know, the school had a placement in New York, and they recommended me, and that's how I um, got here. and I, I stayed here for six months um, working.
0: So when you arrived in New York, mm-hmm. this time, because you, you you've gotten a little bit wiser, you know, I've added a little experience, was it different? Well they're a different shock.
1: Yes. Um, but that had more to do with the circumstances rather than with the US or with New York. Yeah. Reason is I got really sick on the flight over. Uh oh. Yes. So uh, i'm assuming it was something i ate on the plane
0: obviously it's not new york we got good food here. <laughs>
1: <We> <laughs> no because it started and, yeah. <laughs> because it started at the airport i wasn't feeling well getting off the plane so i'm collecting all my stuff right um now i'm coming as a student so i have like no budget um so i had looked up how to travel from gfk airport on public transportation so i'm making my way you know like the airport train the a train um, of course, it takes forever. Um, and, like, I'm starting to feel really crazy. So by the time I actually um finally in East Harlem at the hostel that I was trying to get to, first off, there's a sign in the door that says, call this number when, when you get, like, here. Um, because there was actually no one at the front desk. So the door was locked. Oh. Now, I'm standing there. I have traveler checks in my... And and maybe have like ten dollars, but I have no coins. I have no cell phone because I still oh, had to get that yeah, yeah. right. I just landed. What do you do? <laughs> so that, I went to the. I dancer. went. To, <laughs> Top dancer. <laughs> I, I I went to the bodega at the corner with like you know all of my luggage, um, and, and the 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 gentleman was so nice to like call the number and say hey there's someone here, um, who who book the room like or, or bed basically it wasn't a room it was a bed um can you guys open the door <laughs> wow. but yeah but at that point I'd already been up for like 24 hours I was just like oh my god this is gonna be so strange so all that to be said I got sicker and I had to go to the hospital because I obviously didn't have a regular doctor mm-hmm. at this point um I was really sick and i was not keeping anything and not even water wow. i was severely dehydrated and i was starting to have some real problems so i still wanted to save money so i walked to the hospital i go to the emergency room again very different experience than what i'm used to i've been to the emergency room in germany and it's a very very different experience first off um, they don't actually, like, even talk to you until you properly checked it. And that process alone was um, a test of patience.
0: Um, you're talking about the American, right?
1: Yes, the American, yes. Okay. So this was Mont Sinai in, what was it, 2002, I guess. Um, and I'm sitting there, and this woman keeps saying, like, okay, I have, you know, writing down my my address that's on my insurance paperwork, Um because I had insurance paperwork through the internship, but it is like an international insurance. So the address on there is my parents' address in Germany. So she keeps asking, what state is that in? And I keep telling her, it's not in a US state, this is an international insurance, this is in Germany. And she keeps asking, but what state is Germany in? And I'm just like, but I don't even know how to answer. Like, I don't know how else to explain to you that Germany is its own country. (laughs) Um, And so that in itself was like, and, you know, mind you, like, I'm sitting there. I'm not like in the best shape. I'm really sick. Um, Then there's signs everywhere that, you know, you have to pay a minimum of like $750 just to be seen by a doctor or something like that. Um, So like on the inside, I'm panicking a little bit because... Um, until my first paycheck from the internship comes in, like five hundred, I think was what I had mm-hmm. with me. Um, I did have a credit card, luckily. So, but yeah, I was like panicking a little bit there. Then, you know, they take care of me. Eventually, I see a doctor. Whatever the doctor is, super nice. She actually gave me a bunch of samples of the medication that I needed, just to make sure that I had enough. Um, and didn't have to wait for like the international insurance to figure out how to get me medication. Okay. Um, now it's, like, 12 hours later or so, and I get, I get checked out again. I go to the, whatever place you, you know, they took me to, to, um, sign out, and the woman presents me with a bill. That's when panic really set in. That was a big number. Just for the fact that they, like, didn't really run any tests and just gave me an IV with, like, salt water, basically. Um... For a couple hours.
0: How much was the bill?
1: I don't recall exactly, but it was just a huge amount, and it, and luckily the person at the billing desk was super help super helpful, um, because she figured out that the person in the beginning never actually entered the fact that I had insurance. Because she couldn't figure out how to enter my address. Wow. So otherwise, I would have sat there with like a couple thousand dollars to pay. Um, and this was, you know, I, I'd been there for two days <laughs> in the country for two days. So that was you my introduction. You would have invented GoFundMe right there or something. <laughs> that you know. was my introduction to the, uh, U.S. healthcare system. <laughs> um, that was not fun. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I, I, that was quite the, the shock.
1: Yes. So yeah. I think like that was one of the first times that I looked under the surface yeah. because now I was here and lived here and had to operate in daily life as opposed to being a tourist.
0: Mm. Well, uh, your welcome package was immediately was mm-hmm. like, Bang. Get started. but well, we're glad you made it. <laughs> you know? And then we got to meet you. You got to meet me. And hey, you know, it's not that bad, the deal that you got. See, New York, New York still works out. You yes. Know? So um, I was going to jump forward a little bit. But I just need one story from you Uh-oh. that I've heard before because, you know, my first time to Germany with you, you know, something happened. You know, we had just seen Get Out before we left, and <laughs> I got to. Your
1: oh, that parents. was before you. Before you even met my parents, right?
0: Yeah, just before. Um, yeah. For the
1: first time. Yeah, I was with you. Okay. you
0: know? I, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, we get to your parents' house, and you know, your parents had to go. Uh, they had something planned that evening, so they, they left us at home, and I had to go. Uh, they had told me where the, the good stuff was, the beer, and it was out in the back, but it was dark there. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't think about it. I was like, yeah, I don't need to turn on the light. You know, I'm, I'm about saving energy, you know. So uh, um, I go out there and grab a bottle and sit down, having my nice, cool beer, where weather was cool, and I you know I'm having a sip. And then you just run and come grab the beer from me and take off. <laughs> and then return back with another bottle that looks exactly like the bottle that I was drinking. And I was like, um, why would she do that? This is I've barely been in this house for five to ten minutes. Is the black guy being, you know, should the black guy start worrying or what? <laughs> should, uh, I, th- I was expecting tea to be the weapon of choice, not beer. I mean, that's a smart... That's a smart way to go if you're going <laughs> to use beer to get the black guy, especially if the black guy is me. But, um, yeah, I don't know how to feel right now. And then you will say, oh, oh, and you explain. So, but, yeah, so you obviously it was something about German beer mm-hmm. that made you do that. Yes. So what was, did, what was that story you told me about while you were in school?
1: Okay, so when we were in university and we were in rotterdam um school was in english but everyday life still happened in you know like you had to, to have minimal dutch language skills to kind of get by um and we had to learn dutch in school for two for four semesters to even get the diploma from the from the dutch like from the rotterdam university and that means everyone on our side had to do that. So people coming from France, people coming from Spain, from the UK, um, and us from Germany. Now Germans, ha- Germans, especially Germans who also speak English, have an advantage in learning Dutch because there are some similarities. Oh, really? There's some similarities between Dutch and German in terms of the words. Yep. And then there's some similarities between English and Dutch in terms of the grammar. Mm. So we we that's what it is, this way we had a little bit of an advantage. So come one night, um, my roommate who's also German, whose name is also was also Verena. Um, we were out with a group of people who consisted mostly of French and Spanish students, and we're sitting by the lake and everyone's drinking, and people are starting to get a little tipsy, like get a little drunk. And at some point, Verena and I were looking at each other and we're like, what is going on here? Because we looked at the beer that they had bought and we didn't think anything off us because, like, but we looked at the beer and it, they actually purchased alcohol free beer, but they were acting tipsy. <laughs> so it turns out that, like, they didn't know they were drinking alcohol free beer. But yeah, we had a really good laugh about that <laughs> because, <laughs> because they were really just like, some people were like, oh my God, I already had six beers. And we were like, yeah, but it's just like flavor, like, it's like drinking soda. It's just, you know, beer-flavored soda. Um, it tastes really good. So for, for those, you know, who don't know this, but German beer and Dutch beer, um, most brands have alcohol-free versions yeah. that taste pretty much exactly the same as the ones with alcohol. And so it tasted good. And, you know, we were having a good time. We are laughing and talking, but, like, we were definitely not getting drunk. So, yeah. I did notice that night the bottle that you picked had a red, like a little red tag on the side that said alcohol-free. And I did know that you didn't mean to drink the alcohol-free beer. Yeah, <laughs> you, you you missed
0: your chance to you know, get one over me. That would have been a perfect story to tell for generations to come. Like, oh, he was drinking alcohol-free beer and <laughs> he got tipsy and, you know, and then... You know, and later on, the truth was revealed to him, and he was like, uh, no, no, that can't be. No, 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 no But
1: no. I don't think you get drunk from drinking beer. I've never seen you drunk from drinking beer.
0: Yeah, I'm like an elephant to An elephant never forgets. So kind of
1: same, same, same <laughs> with me.
0: <laughs> ah, I can never get drunk. That's it. I just go to sleep.
1: Mm, well, no. So I've seen you drunk, just not from drinking beer.
0: You've seen me drunk before?
1: Oh, yeah. What well, I get drunk on? I don't know. I wasn't with you that night. I just only saw you coming home and then going straight into the bathroom.
0: Someone got me drunk. <laughs> I got drunk. <laughs> That's classified info. Let's move on. Let's move on. We don't need to talk about that. Let's move on. More People don't want to know about that. People uh, want to know the real stuff. Oh, okay. Let's, let's, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's Let's. focus on you. They don't want to focus on you. <laughs> yeah, so... Back to the um the more fun stuff. Okay. Since you've, you've mentioned beer. Maybe we should just go straight to food. Oh, okay. Um, the, well, food intersects with me. But anyway, yeah, that's that's well it relates to me in a way. So maybe we should start with uh you've been in New York, you know, and you know, a few years down the line, you know. Did you ever did you ever think that one day you end up dating someone who was born in Nigeria, you know? Then how did that happen, or how did that go about? How did, how did you start dating a Nigerian-born individual? And did they prepare you for what you were about to walk into, you know?
1: No, I was li- not prepared. Yeah, give us some. <laughs> tell us about that. Spear some tea. Well, so I Including never first, planned... First date experiences, too. I, I never planned to date someone from Nigeria, but I also never not intended to date someone from Nigeria, right? Like, so I think being single in New York, I know some people have like, you know, very specific ideas of the person they want to be with in terms of the background. Mm-hmm. For me, it was much more important, um, the character, right, like the values, humor. Things like that uh, f- I didn't have like a pre-filter based on nationality or anything like that no, or you, you, you know you're just you're like my, You're much more or, nicer
0: like, than I am you're much more refined my my standards was just simple like uh,
1: female
0: sh- like a well yeah yeah <laughs> a woman sugar mama preferably a <laughs> guy like you know like a Saudi like a Saudi princess type money oil field preferably but
1: you know, yeah, yeah sorry. No, ah, that okay. didn't work out, did it? It's okay. Um, yeah, and so I, I think I go
0: West Virginia instead. So. And I
1: think, like, so first date experience. Well, I had a really shitty day at work that day. That's why <laughs> I responded. Ah. <Damn. laughs> and I just, yeah, and.
0: Is it too late to change my mind now? Y-
1: well, ask ask the baby.
0: Oh, you know she's gonna side <laughs> with me. I'm not, I'm, I'm to get on my side.
1: Um. So yeah, and so you know, we went, we met for for drinks, and, well, on my side it was dinner too. I don't remember I had if you. To, yeah. Okay. All right. So it turned into dinner, and I I had a really good time talking, but then um, and then you even brought me back to my car. And Such a gentleman. Yeah. Well, I I then also in return drove you back to the subway station that you need to go to. So. But. I was gonna walk that far. Hello. Well,
0: I already complete my ten thousand steps. I, I, didn't, I didn't <laughs> need to do extra walking.
1: But so the thing that almost uh, derailed everything was what? Was that you didn't even try to go in for a kiss?
0: Did you put on the green light or did you put on the yellow light?
1: Uh, I th-
0: the yellow light about a turn to red or the yellow light about a turn to green?
1: I think it was pretty green.
0: You sure it wasn't the yellow light? Yeah. Because sometimes it's a yellow light.
1: Mm, no. Oh,
0: we'll have to check the replay. <laughs> pretty sure it was. You sticking to that
1: story? Oh, I'm sticking to that story.
0: Oh, that's not how I recall it, but <laughs> pretty sure based on my record. Uh, well. So how was it rectified?
1: Mm, well, I... I don't. I don't remember like who texted whom, but you did send me a text that night, She's such mentioning a the fact. Such a gentleman. S- mentioning the, the fact, and then I responded that you know, I had wanted you to try that to try kiss me or to kiss me, and you just didn't. So I think that led to us scheduling a second date.
0: See listeners, y'all should book <laughs> your copy of my book on how to win a second date. It's coming out soon, but I accept pre-orders. Just PayPal me the money, and <laughs> you get your copy soon. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, and I remember, like, on the second date, I yeah. stayed out. We I, we stayed out. We went to the movies? Yeah, yeah we went to the movies.
0: Well, we went, went to the Mexican, you took a Mexican for drinks, place yes. for drinks.
1: That was, like, underneath and the movie theater. The way, yeah. Then we went to the movies. And, and then what movie was it? Deadpool. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Good choice.
1: And I think you saw it for, what, like, the third time or the fourth time that day. But I had never seen it, so. Not that. What, do you, what are you trying?
0: What kind of picture are you trying to paint? No, to no, you no. You no, said no that you've day. seen
1: it You've seen it three times before you went okay, with me that okay. day. I don't, I don't get
0: people <laughs> concerned about me. Like, what is this guy doing with his life?
1: Something but so, that. all that to be said. And then we got to talking. And, you know, um, I got back home at... I want to say like one or two in the morning and the car to pick me up to go to the airport was coming two hours later and i had not packed a single thing that was not my fault for <laughs> for a 10 week uh, 10 week 10 day trip um so that's like yeah
0: yep i was i know days. that
1: that wasn't your fault exactly. but
0: i just had a, it kind of was your fault no 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 that wasn't my fault i gave you i gave <laughs> i you, did, I, told, I told you to pack I ahead did,
1: of time i i did i did make it i know
0: you did i know but yeah, it, it wasn't but I made thought.
1: I made some questionable choices in what I took with me in terms of clothing because I kind of just threw things in it.
0: And I bag. wasn't responsible for that. <laughs> Full disclosure. But you made it.
1: Yes. So and
0: I, I you you did not answer the part about um, so were you prepared? Did it prepare you for what you were about to walk into?
1: No, but I what? also. me. <laughs> I was not prepared. Oh my goodness! In what way? Um, Jollof I boys? had no, I had no expectation what it means to you. date someone from to, who was born in Nigeria. Uh, not at all. I had no expectation or preconceived like idea of what that would include. Chief Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't strike me as that. I also didn't know anything about Nigerian food to be honest before I met you. Exactly,
0: and that's why you got. But now I know,
1: Nigerian jollof is the best.
0: Oh, see, you jumped ahead of the question. But (laughs) hey, you 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 had how how many jollof have you had?
1: Oh, so I had Nigerian, Ghanaian, Senegalese, and what's the other one?
0: You've had. um, I think you've had Togo, and Cameroon, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Okay. Togo, yes. Cameroon, I don't remember
0: which one that was specifically. Well, maybe that's me. I've probably, because I've had more. <laughs> I've had almost all of West Africa. But yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: And you stick by
1: Nigerian Jollof.
0: See, I did not make her do that. It's because y'all know my opinion when it comes to Jollof. I love them all. Just keep inviting me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And you know, nobody. Well, I eat,
1: yeah, yeah, I eat them all too. But if, you, if I had to pick one, then,
0: yeah. Okay. Hey, hey. You I'm, 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 just, you know, you heard it from her. You know, she's a neutral party, and you know, you heard it from her. So, um, but you still you're a New Yorker, and when it comes to food, where does your heart belong to? What's your favorite overall favorite? If you have to betray one food, you know, you can betray whichever, but which one is like you can't live without?
1: I have a favorite.
0: Yeah. I do. You have to.
1: Hmm. It kind of depends on the day.
0: I don't think anybody has given that answer. What I, can't, I
1: can't? I <laughs> can't think of like what my favorite well, food is. Of
0: course, your favorite German food or not? Or Northern German food or not? Not Western. So. Okay, as your favorite New York
1: food. Well, you can get any food in New York. No.
0: Moving on. You see,
1: this, this, <laughs> no, this, but what, what did you think? What was my favorite food?
0: Uh, I don't. Uh, now that, I'm curious.
1: Yeah, 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 but we can't. Put, I'm not the guest. You, that doesn't matter. But you had something in your notes there. So, what did you think was my favorite food?
0: I did not write your food in, in here. I really wrote questions. <laughs> I'm not gonna give out no, but but
1: secrets. but to 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 be a little m- more... So I don't think I have a favorite food because I like a lot of different foods, as you know. I know. Um, and I like to try everything yeah. at least once um, because how else can I say that I don't like it? And I think New York is actually really great. I mean, right now it's a little bit harder because a lot of places are closed down and a lot of places have a limited... Um, Like, you can't really eat in right now, right? Like, so, um, but in general, like, what the great thing about New York is that you can get every food here. Mm. Um, I mean, we, we had like, what was it? Uzbek.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Like, that's something I would have never, never even really thought of.
0: Found by who again? Found by who?
1: Me. What? 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 Uh-huh. I'm the
0: one who found that place, and I said, I i, I haven't eaten there, but, you know, I told you about it.
1: hmm
0: Oh, my goodness. See? I can't even grab it. I looked
1: friend. it up in a Google search, but okay. When? I'm the one who told you about it? No, you didn't.
0: How are you going to know about the place? I'm the, I'm the one who's been walking I'm walking <laughs> past it, like, five, ten times. Oh, Oh, my goodness. You, you, you've been hanging around Nigerians for too long. <laughs> look, 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 look. look at that.
1: Well, whose fault is that?
0: Chief daddy. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, let's see. Let's see. So if you had to do it all over again, would you choose New York City or would you be on the West Coast?
1: Now that you say it's New York versus the West Coast, that's that's like the only two places I could see myself to begin with in the United States right now. Um, I've been to... No Dallas? Pro- really? Yeah. Dallas is still in Texas. So?
0: It's, there's Austin. It's a hippie town.
1: Yes. But it's still in Texas. There's
0: New Mexico. I don't know what's I- there. <laughs> no, mad. not matter. No,
1: I think I am... Um, I do what I let's look at it from the other perspective, right? Like so, what I do appreciate about New York is that it is cosmopolitan. Um, what I appreciate about Brooklyn and specifically the part of Brooklyn that we do live in, um, it is rather diverse, right? Like mm-hmm. so, if we coming from upstate person, just saying. No, but what I mean is, like, we go to the playground and we see families that are like ours. Right? we go we go out and we see people or, or couples that that are um, mixed we do see people who look very differently from us you know and I think the diversity in in specifically in this area in Brooklyn h- helps me feel at home here and I do like that everything is walkable Right. Like, so uh, for me, that's a little bit um, a little bit has a little bit of a like the metropolitan, somewhat little bit European feel. Like you can walk to the park, you can walk to the supermarket, that kind of stuff. Um, you don't really need a car. Necessarily. And so I really like that. Whereas other places that would probably not be the same. Right. I do think there, yes, does New York have a lot of faults? Definitely. Um, but generally, I do feel at home here. Now, I've only traveled to the West Coast. I've never lived there. So I can't fully say that that would not work out. But I do not like the idea of earthquakes.
0: All right, you. Passed I've the
1: experienced. Test. I've experienced an earthquake before, even just a tiny one. Yeah. And has, I found that very unsettling.
0: Yeah, I experienced one in in um, Grapevine, just outside Dallas. Yeah, I was like, yeah, it's not, it's not for me. Probably that's why I never moved to Japan. Could have been. I could have been over there, in the anime industry. But that's for that's a different story in Yeah. <laughs> So, um, you are also a HR professional and...
1: Sometimes.
0: Well, oh, sometimes?
1: <laughs>
0: oh, alrighty. That's, um, that was a new one to me. I'm not going to ask what the other one is, but I know one of, I know one other, but, um, there might be something else that, um, uh, I don't know, but I don't want to find out on air, but, um, Yeah. What's uh, a key advice to anyone, especially young girls? You know, uh, looking to get into your line of work. You know, especially girls from my background, mm-hmm. if they're interested in going into your line of work, your 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 field of HR. What's the key advice that you give to them?
1: So I think they are because I've always worked for global organizations in um, roles that had responsibility for more than one country. Um, that Those roles are usually with larger companies. And what I've seen the best way to get into those organizations is get an internship during the summer while you're still in school. Mm-hmm. Get a foot in the door. Even if you don't get an offer from that company, if you have a big name on your resume as an intern, you have a much higher chance to get picked up um, applying for an entry-level role. And I did not have that because I was coming from, you know, I, I mean, I had an internship here, but it was a small company. Like I said, it was a pretty small company that the university had a relationship with. So when I got here, I started working for a uh, German company or German me based car headquartered company. Um, and what got me in the door were my German skills.
0: Oh, that was the the sound of the bribery tool dropping. <laughs> I think she's falling asleep. Yeah.
1: Um, and so, like I said, what got me in the door were my German skills, and the same um, when I then moved into HR, I went for a non-HR position in an HR team. So I was the person dealing with like builds and vendors and stuff like that for an HR team. Okay. But what got me in the door again were my German skills, because that was a um, company headquartered sw- in Switzerland. Um, but yeah, if you are coming from an English speaking background, um, I think the best option is or, or a really good option is to do an internship while you're still in school during the summer. A lot of large corporations have internships, like programs that are very in-depth and very organized. Yeah. Um, I have friends who, who used to run these programs, for example, in, in some some companies, right? So Danielle ran one of those. Um, there's a lot of thought that goes into it to actually like not just use those people that come in, the students that come in as cheap labor, quote unquote, but to really like give them an experience and teach them something, teach them something about the company as well as the job. Mm. Um, so that also gives people a really good insight in whether they really want to do HR. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: because when I was, quote unquote, growing up, right, when I was going to university, I did not think in a million years I would end up in HR. Um, because the way that it was talked about and the classes that we have that were relating to HR were incredibly boring. Um, it did not sound interesting at all. Um, but maybe that had to do like with the professor or the way it was incorporated into the overall schedule. I, I don't know. It's been too long. But I do know distinctly like that was not on my list of choices of like the type of job I was going to go for. Um, so I kind of like came into it, like I said, from like, you know, I was doing a a um, more business related role within an HR team and then get to see what the HR team actually did yeah. Yeah. and thought that was really interesting. Mm. Um, so when I did my MBA, I then focused on um, HR related classes. So yeah, and I do think like it ended up being a really good fit. So far it's worked out. <laughs>
0: Uh, I've seen you in action, so yeah I, I agree with that assessment. Thank you you support what you do <laughs> so and I, 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 uh, it was interesting. you also mentioned something which I think you're also saying, well, language might be helpful having adding language skills to h r yeah,
1: so in the sense that um what got me in the door at those two first companies once I moved to the U.S. was German, proficient German language skills, right? Because those were Germ- like one of them was a Germany based company. The other one was a Switzerland based company. So if you, let's say, speak fluent French and you are uh, applying for a um, organization that's like headquartered in uh, France or, yeah. or in Quebec in Canada, um, where French is the dominant language, that, just, that can only help you because you can be, not only uh, does it give you a little bit of leg up um, compared to other uh, candidates, but it also shows that you can also uh, kind of have a bigger role in whatever job you step into mm-hmm. because you can be the cult, quote-unquote cultural translator between the headquarters stuff and the local team sometimes.
0: It's a good gem to drop there. So, one of the other jobs that you have, that you share with me, but you, you know you, you still you still get the, the the you still do the heavier lifting, is motherhood. And how has it been for you handling motherhood, dealing with expectations from different cultures and communities, and raising a daughter during a pandemic?
1: That's a very big question, because i I don't really ha- I haven't really felt any expectations like uh, that are c- specifically cultural mm-hmm. um to how we raise Clara. I do think I try to take cues from how my parents raised me. Um, or what I think how they raised me. Like I said before, I don't know whether a lot of the stuff they did was intentional. I never asked them. <laughs> well, I think it turned out good. Um, so. Yeah, so, uh, and I don't, I, I try not to, I, I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know if any of it is culturally driven. If it is, it's subconscious. It's not consciously f- like figured out. I think the one thing that we do that is maybe less like mainstream American is like, even if we were going to go and look for a daycare for her again, right? Like I would look for something that's not so um, so much like a school. Yeah. And I think that is, that is culturally driven because um, Northern Europeans tend to have more of the um uh, approach that children should play uh-huh. and learn social interaction and fine motor skills and listening skills and patience and that kind of stuff patience by doing by doing little projects and stuff like that yeah. rather than being perfect at um, counting to 20 or counting to 10, and being able to already write all the letters of the alphabet before they even get to kindergarten,, um, and all that stuff. I think that is culturally different, but since she's only two, that hasn't really played a big role yet, I think. Um And the whole like parenthood during the pandemic, I think you're more impacted by that than I am, right? Because I do still, I mean, yes, like sometimes, you know, I am already on a call with her on my lap in the morning um, because working from home and, you know, having, having her at home kind of overlaps things a lot. But at the same time, during the day, during my work day, I essentially close the door because I have to be on calls. I have to focus on my work. And you're actually shouldering a lot of the... Like day to day with her. I just bribe her. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what's happening while I'm not there.
0: I said, go away. Leave me alone. <laughs> mm, sure. I don't know you. When you're <laughs> hungry, call me.
1: I'm sure that's what's happening every day.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's it. Easy. Easy peasy.
1: That's how she learned all the animal names.
0: I don't know. All by herself. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Uh all right, so getting to the wrapping up. But before we jump towards the wrapping up section, I have to hit you with one other question. Uh oh. It's a fun one, don't no worry. It's not a hard one. There's something you didn't touch on, which is still a big part of you. Music.
1: Music, okay. Yeah. What are we talking about?
0: So where, where's your favorite? Where, where, where does your heart belong to? Ooh. Who's the artist?
1: Who's well, so generally, my heart does belong to hard rock.
0: I know. Well, I've, I I've seen I've seen the haircuts, I've seen the the, 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 the jackets, I've seen the, the photos, <laughs> you know. So.
1: And I do. I am still very very partial to the um, band that originally got me into kind of that like rock music genre. Um, Totenhosen. I still listen to them to this day. Say it again. Die Totenhosen.
0: Die Totenhosen.
1: I said it right? Yes. No, that was that absolutely correct. Yeah, well, I was you, And you, what's you what, what, what was, was a little that bit applause? <laughs> well it's a little bit shocking is so back when I was, I don't know, twelve or something, when I started listening to them, my parents did not approve because they had some some texts that I guess they didn't think were appropriate um, but at the same time like that didn't stop me and you know you get like these these posters that you can put on your wall and so in my mind that's still the way they look and then recently I read an article and I saw like their recent pictures they're now in their like I don't know late 50s early 60s or something I was shocked I mean of course people get older but in my mind they were still looking like when I was 12.
0: They didn't age well, or what?
1: No, they just aged like anyone ages. I mean, they probably didn't age too well because you know, like alcohol and drugs at some point in their life. But
0: the foil of the rock gods.
1: <laughs> yes. S- yeah, but I was just I yeah I just didn't. I mean, logically, you should expect it, right? Everyone gets older. But for some reason, I didn't. So I was really shocked when I saw like a picture, and I was like.
0: D. That also
1: that also makes me feel old, I have to say.
0: That's all right. You're just 21 like me.
1: Oh, yeah, of course.
0: D. Horsen. <laughs> so is that a good place to start if someone wants to get into German rock?
1: Um, I guess so. I think at this point, they're probably um, a lot more mainstream than they used to be. Okay. But I don't know. I'm not following the German rock scene that closely anymore.
0: What? You're unpatriotic.
1: I know, right? German. We call ice. (laughs) So,
0: let's hit final question.
1: Uh Uh-oh. You sound so serious when you say
0: that. I'm I'm always serious. You you see me laughing? Do I look like I've been laughing all this time?
1: On the inside. What?
0: See, even, even... our little one, the little Ronin over there said, nah, he wasn't laughing. He's been serious. He's been all business. So, final question. What's something that you like to leave the audience with? Like, a, could be a word of advice. could be um, a line from a book you've read, or your favorite book, or a quote. Well, you know, something for this time. So, just anything. You know, just, you know, anything you like to say.
1: So, I should have probably prepared for that. Um, and thought about that a little bit more, but, um, I think my shirt today says it all don't be a lady, be a legend.
0: Mm. And why is that?
1: Um, well, the whole idea of being a lady is overrated and it's much better to be a legend.
0: I'm not in disagreement, but (laughs) that wasn't the answer I was expecting.
1: No, but also, like, in light of current events, um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away yesterday. The
0: notorious RBG. Yes. Rest in
1: power. And so that was a little bit of shock of the system. I didn't expect to be so emotionally impacted by it. Yeah. But she is definitely one of those people who did not worry about being a lady. And became a legend That's she did right. not worry about upsetting people with her stance on equality even in her earlier early, early uh, parts of her career where she argued um in front of the supreme court i believe it was the supreme court of all men and got them to agree to her point on equality um she did not worry about how that got perceived um and how that was reflected on her as a woman And she fought for equality through the entirety of her career. And therefore became a legend.
0: Perfect. now. So do you have any plugins that you like to leave us with?
1: Everyone needs to subscribe to this podcast. The best podcast out there. Everyone needs to share it with all of their friends all the time. And make sure all of their friends subscribe as well.
0: No, I'll, I'll take five stars. And a
1: good oh, rating. right, five stars, right? The ratings, if, yes. If, if you if and you drop some ratings and some, you know, some,
0: I'll just take five stars, not some ratings. <laughs> but thank you for the, you know, for, for the for, for that.
1: Well, you you, know. you you said at the beginning there was, was you not know, no gun pointed
0: the... at her or anything. She wasn't. <laughs> she she'll eat. She'll be giving. You know, she'll get food. She, was, she wasn't promised anything
1: but you said at the beginning um you know i'm one of your biggest supporters and so i had to you know live up to that promise i appreciate
0: (laughs) that i mean you did great so thank you for blessing us with your presence and coming into the studio um and thank you leo running over there i'm gonna She's acting like a, we're not even important right now, but as soon as she's hungry, she she she'll holler.
1: I can't believe she's still awake. <laughs>
0: uh, she she all the time. Yeah, she she'll fall asleep soon. But uh, yeah, so thank you all for joining us. This has been a pleasure, and um, I look forward to part two where you get to interview me. I'll think about it, but no promises. But <laughs> thank you all and. Keep keep on listening and join us for the next episode. And thank you for the pleasure of your company. Thanks for listening to White Label America. If you enjoy the show, we'll appreciate if you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. If you have any questions, comments, or have someone who will be a good guest, on the show or you want to be on the show send us a message at whitelabelamerican at gmail.com and make sure to follow us on facebook and instagram at whitelabelamerican thank you for your support